Trailer Trash Fly Fishing, episode 24. How is it going, boys? Well. Howdy. Action, action. We've got Ted up in the Taylor Park. What? Mm-hmm. It must be uh, a special occasion. Ted, I think uh, we're only a couple of hours away, by my count, from... Uh, Celebrating yet another circuit around the old fireball. That's it. The world keeps turning. If the world keeps turning, how many times will have you It'll be the, made uh, it around? 34th lap. 34th lap yeah. around the old sun. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, cheers, my friend, to uh, yet another circuit. I didn't have a drink. There's, it's, it's not even my bottle. It's just empty out, out of my head. It was a pen. You, you could have, you could have like I, air toasted or something. It was behind my mic. I couldn't even see it until I looked. I was like, idiot. Ta-da. You even had a flask in your hand before. No. Yes. Well, he, he knocked it over, if that counts as being in his hand. Kind of. He picked it up. Yes. I did pick it up. I'm a gentleman. Um, I clean up my messes. So... Um, it's Saturday night in lovely Oak Hill, Florida, and uh, Ben, Ted, Mark, and I are uh, around the old oak table again to uh, kick around a few different things. I know uh, I've got a few show notes, um, but uh, one of the big things, and uh, I've heard a little bit of... Uh, of this because I spent uh, three or four hours, maybe five hours with uh, Ted on the skiff today. Ted's got a story to tell. Ted? Mm. Uh, Are you referring to my uh, trip with some of our listeners? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Ted is fresh off of the Pepe Le Pew River. <laughs> Fresh Pierre. off the boat, Pierre oh, Marquette. Man. The Pierre, or is it Pear? Pear Marquette? Yeah, it would be the, the Pear uh, Marquette. No, the the Pear Marquette River. The Perrier Marquette Perrier? River. The Perrier Marquette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the Pear Marquette River. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, have an invite extended to me from uh, our uh, good friend Mike Johnson, Doggy Daddy. All right. Otherwise known as. And uh, I certainly couldn't pass up the opportunity to go. So, yeah, just coming off that trip, five days out in Michigan. Nice. Yeah. So, um, obviously, um, a little bit cooler in, in that, that neck of the woods compared to uh, what we shared today on the skiff. Yeah. Um, it's about 50-degree difference. 50-degree difference. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what... Uh, um, so for those that don't realize where we're talking about, uh, this is in Michigan along the eastern shore of Lake Superior. Yep. North of uh, Traverse City. Yeah, not far from Grand Rapids. Okay. Yep. It's about an hour and a half outside of Grand Rapids. Now, I have to admit, I was a bit confused um, knowing that Mike lives north of Chicago west of milwaukee um i thought when you guys were talking about going to 
fish where you were, in my mind's eye, I thought you guys were going to, um, like, because you'd said Pear Marquette. I had heard, in my mind, Marquette, Upper Peninsula, right. way up north. And then when you said, no, we're in, you know, over by, I was like, wait a second. I'm yeah. confused. My geography of Michigan clearly sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know the exact county, but the, uh, the town is uh, called Baldwin. Michigan, and it's actually in the poorest county in Michigan. Um, but uh, yeah, it was totally in the sticks. Um, you know, not much going on in the town. Uh, there's like you know one breakfast diner, a couple restaurants, few bars. That's it. Um, seems to be the place that all the locals know each other. You know, walking, everybody nods their head. You know, when you walk into the breakfast diner, kind of thing. Um, and you know. Get a pretty good Waffle House. Get a pretty good Waffle House deal on breakfast specials at five ninety nine for a full plate of whatever. So, you know. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, um, yeah, that kind of so place. They actually had a Waffle House there. No, not oh, okay. not a Waffle House. <laughs> I was just saying, you know, Waffle House prices for you know a home cooked breakfast. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, just dialing it back to the way that the trip started. You know, I mean, uh, Mike put together this. Uh, sort of motley crew of guys that had never really all met together and you know maybe a couple people knew um others but you know the rest of us it was the first time all meeting together so uh got picked up over at grand rapids airport uh, mike greeted me with a uh, montucky cold snack Sweet. <laughs> so yeah cold snacks were the uh, the sessionable beer for the uh for the trip now i did see um Prior to departing Wisconsin, oh yeah, he uh, made it very well known on social media that if you were so inclined to imbibe on a New Glarus uh, beer, that he had uh, spotted cow a a whole yeah. freaking herd of spotted cow. Oh yeah, uh, did <laughs> you guys <laughs> did you guys have anybody? Um, Asking for some new Glarus along the way? Yes. But only really, I mean, people kind of caught wind of the fact that we had um, the spotted cow and, and would stop us. and we Word would, spread. Yeah, word did spread. So somebody would mention it to another one, and actually, you know, a, a full case of spotted cow was the, the ticket into certain illustrious uh, buildings and experiences. So, oh, yeah, okay. it, it definitely got us somewhere, that's for sure. Cool. Um, there were a few spotted cows that were traded on the river for, uh, for some laughs and smiles, which was great. Um, you know, people got to exercise their guide skills with the net picking them up out of the river. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, it was more of a formal handoff, but like through a net. So we would toss them and people were netting, netting the spotted cows in the air. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, you guys were up there for four or five days. Yeah. The total trip was, uh, for me, five days. There were, uh, two other guys that actually spent seven days there. Um, but, uh, yeah, five days for me, so two travel days and three days fishing. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, it was uh, 
it, it's tough, you know, I mean, all the travel that I do and, you know, it's, it, it's hard to kind of commit to that for a lot of people right. and, uh, you know, ultimately coming in, um, not having known or not knowing a bunch of guys and then just sort of like, you know, Hey, hey. You know, they, they, you're here, you're shacking up with this guy. Um, but, uh, like I said, everybody was pretty cool and, uh, overall the experience itself was, uh, pretty fucking rad. Um, just kind of going through, I, I put some notes down and stuff like that. But, um, you know, there was a lot of good drinking, a lot of good food. The company was great. Um, yeah. So just, you know, really a fucking awesome experience. I can't, I, I don't know when we get into the fishing. I was going to say, what about fish? Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were going specifically for steelhead and, uh, there's steelhead and brown trout and rainbow trout that are in the river, um, at this time. And um, the first day that we were on the river, the water temperature was 36 degrees. Um, pretty damn cold, to be completely honest. You know, step in with your your, your wading gear on, and uh, it's it, it's a pretty quick shock yeah. um, from a temperature pr- perspective. Um, the day before, um, which was a Sunday, so we, we we flew. I flew in on Sunday, but the day before the river was totally, totally crowded. 45 boats in the river. Um, what, what kind of reports were you guys getting from the day previous? Nobody was catching fish. It was elbow to elbow. You know, people were pretty much button heads trying to get into holes. Combat? Yeah, pretty much river combat. Um, and, and, and that number comes from... So in Colorado, we, we call them shuttle drivers, right? Right. Um, they call them spotters out that way. Oh, really? Yeah. I have no idea what the rationale behind that is. But they also don't call it a, a, a landing. They call it a put-in and, and take-out, uh-huh. um, you know, or whatever. So that's what that's what Mike referred to, uh, referred to it as. I don't know if there's other nomenclature for <laughs> <laughs> boat ramp. <laughs> um <laughs> Excuse me. People are going to love you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know what, though? That cough had some really nice bass in it. Terribly sorry about that. (laughs) It did did have like a little bit of a bass cut. A little more thump. Yes. Um, So, yeah, there were 45 boats on the river the day before, um, which is absurd because it's fucking cold out there. Um, And even for me, you know, a Canadian guy, where it was just as cold back home. It's just a lot colder in the water. Um, so getting out on the river, uh, we started the float out, and uh, you float about a mile. There's no real pools to fish um, for about a mile, pretty much. So so you you were saying that there's definitely browns in... The, and is this a freestone river? And this is like, it's not a... Below a dam, you're not fishing a tailwater, or are you? No, you're not fishing okay. a tailwater. So it's a free-flowing river going down into Lake Michigan. And how far are you from Lake Michigan at the put-in? I don't know, uh, honestly, how Damn far. Damn it, Ted. Yeah. We need details. <laughs> <laughs> thought when we dispatched you on this. Uh, um, I, would, I would probably say a good distance. Okay. Um, so you're pretty far up the river? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So... By virtue of you've you've told me and you just mentioned you know there's brown it's it's a brown trout fishery and now you've got the potential for 
steelhead coming up out of the lake. Yeah. Um, did you, were, was there a discussion of, hey, we're going to flute this section of the river and, you know, we're going to throw for, you know, browns until we get down to a certain area or it was like steelhead or bust? Um, the mentality was pretty much steelhead or bust. And, you know, if you're, if you're tagging a Brown bonus, um, but, uh, we'd had the discussion on, uh, for probably about a month leading up to the trip on like kind of flies and selection and stuff like that. And really the idea was sort of, you know, more or less, uh, egg patterns and, um, other nymphs, uh, nymphy kind of things. But the plan was always for steelhead. Uh, first brown trout second right um what's interesting is actually uh baldwin michigan was the first place to have stocked brown trout did you know that there was actually a petition based on what what you're talking about to call it not baldwin michigan but brown town (laughs) (laughs) welcome to brown (laughs) town Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Baldwin, Michigan, <laughs> Brown Town. <laughs> um, they have this massive, like twenty foot tall, um, sculpture of a brown trout. In really? The, in the fucking town, yeah. And where have the pictures of that been? Because we did not see that on your social media. Well, you know, I kind of kept the trip sort of low profile on the social media because... Oh, you've been stacking clips. I got it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There are some people that I don't want to see those clips. So, uh, yeah, I've been stacking clips. All right. Yeah. Um, But they have this massive statue. I didn't actually get a picture of the... Sorry, sculpture. I didn't get a picture of the sculpture. So so let's back up because I rudely interrupted you. You were about to say that the brown trout was introduced into North America via Baldwin, Michigan. Via Baldwin, Michigan. Correct. And uh, the story is that... um, As as the story goes. As the story goes, there was a train traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast with brown trout that were supposed to be stocked um, further west. And apparently uh, they did it at the wrong time of year. And water temperature in the cars that were carrying the brown trout got too hot and they just said fuck it let's dump, oh, them, dump, right, them? dump them right here sweet <laughs> i heard a lot of stories about that with like donkeys getting like carting up into hills and dumping them here and and trains yeah yeah so a pretty interesting history in that town um and i think they got hit pretty hard um you know with the whole sort of um auto industry crash and everything like that but um Nonetheless, uh, I mean, if you're not directly in the town, it's a beautiful area. There's a lot of wild, you know, sort of uh, wild space or open space that is very, uh, you know, natural as it would be. Very open. Very open, correct. A lot of open, open space. (laughs) Yeah. How was the tap water? Um, Drinkable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, certainly drinkable. So, I mean, they have have a leg up there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean... Aside from the fishing, and I guess we'll get to sort of, you know, the the catchability of those fish. Um, You know, the actual, um, we we were staying at the uh, PM River Lodge, um, 
which is just about a, I guess, a mile away from. That's the afternoon River Lodge. Prime Minister? <laughs> the, the, the Pear Marquette oh. River Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> we were staying at the Pear Marquette River Lodge. Um, nice place, you know, very uh, home style, kind of like wood paneling, fireplace, you know, very cottagey. As it would be much like this humble abode of yours, yes, Larry. Yes, <laughs> um, fireplace. But you know what was actually really fucking cool was the people that were around the lodge. And um, there are some residents of the lodge that might not be permanent residents, but are certainly residents of their regular um, attendance um, in the activities that go on. How so? Um, so there was a guy uh, called, uh, well, people called him Uncle Matt, but I guess his name was just Matt. Um, but people called him Uncle Matt. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy was a fishy motherfucker. Um, had a story to tell about anything. Uh, was uh, very, very passionate about fishing. Very close to his retirement, that's for sure. And just had a story about everything and just wanted to talk your talk your head off about whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, just a resident guy likes to have a drink at the end of the day, um, you know, maybe three or four or five or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, him and uh, I guess there were a few other people that I didn't quite get their name that would uh, sort of hang out at the end of the night around the fire. Uh, have a few drinks, shoot the shit around. Um, the guides that are working out of the shop, there's uh, two notably that uh, I ran into regularly. There's a guy by the name of Wes and another guy by the name of Dylan, who's the son of the owner-operator of that so, place. And so out of out of all these fellows that you met, yeah, did any of them admit to uh, being involved in anything like Tenkara? <laughs> so we actually had a uh, we had a Tinkara challenge. Did you, um, did you share any of the uh, Tinkara stickers? Yes, I did. Up up there in uh, of course, I brought a I brought a pretty hefty sticker pack. The, the Pear Marquette region mm. of Michigan. I did. Yeah, I I I was uh, very generous with the uh, sticker donation uh, in, in the sticker donation uh, area for this trip. But uh, we did have a Tinkara challenge for the river. And, um, you know, we kind of joked around before getting to the River Lodge that, um, you know, we would try to fish steelhead on Tinkara, which would generally be pretty impossible. One, either the rod would snap or the line would stretch. And um, then Mike, Doggy Daddy, came up with Tinkara rules for fishing for steelhead. And... There are rodeo rules where you got to keep the fish on for eight seconds, and that counts as a point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dig yeah. it. Um, so, actually, uh, unfortunately, fishing was pretty tough. And actually, I guess I'll get into that right now. But the first day, we had really cold water temperatures, and then the river being fucking smashed by 45 boats the day before just made it incredibly challenging. Um, we had to fish pretty deep. Um, so basically we would fish three or four split shots to, to get our egg down, um, down deep. And, um, first day I had a hit, I had a fish on for about 15 minutes and then he just fucking rubbed me off on a log. Just gave me the, old, Oh wow. Gave me the 15 old minutes, off. 15 minutes. Let me ask you before, before he gave you the rub off. Don't, don't give me the metric <laughs> conversion. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
had had you did did the thought ever pass through your mind of what the picture was going to look like cuz typically you know you're doing fine you're 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 thinking about fighting the fish you're you're doing everything right and then you have that moment where you're oh, like man I do have my phone with me, so I can get I a would picture. say, yeah. At and then, minute 13, I would start thinking about, how am I going to pose? <laughs> am I going to tea kettle so, this motherfucker? Doggy right. Daddy <laughs> doggy daddy has on his fucking net a GoPro mount. Okay. So that was that was first picture op. Next, we had a, um, we had a, resi- a, a group resident photographer, Roland, who was in our boat. So that was photo op number two. And then I had a I had a GoPro in my pocket as well, um, ready to get out. So yeah, I, we'd been prepping for the photo op long before the fish was hooked. Okay, okay. Because okay. <laughs> um, I've I've found personally that especially if I'm fishing by myself, as long as I don't think about documenting the catch, I'm usually okay. But as soon as I think of like. Oh shit! How man. am I going to get this? <laughs> and then it's like, well, I guess I don't have to worry about that anymore. So here's here's the funny thing. So I hook the fish. The fish is running, and it's it's running back up river and and sinking deep. And I can feel it pulling. It's fucking shaking its head. It's rubbing me on the fucking logs. Rubbing me on rocks. And um, the next group floating down right behind us. They you know we indicate like, hey, we're hooked up. So they go, okay, cool. They drop anchor. And, and these guys are, are locals, young guys, 25 years old-ish. Not so nar floaty, but, like, you know, still, you know, pretty young. And um, <laughs> one of the guys <laughs> looks at us and goes, just make sure you stay out of the log patch that's at the bottom of that pool. Like, oh, bring that asshole. fish out. And as he fucking said that, like... <laughs> he went in the log patch. He went, like, fucking straight for the log patch. And I felt like, basically, you know, the line not go slack. But, basically, I was trying to, like, adjust the tension with, like, sort of dipping the rod down so I could kind of try to direct the fish out in, in different directions. And then just at one point, it was like I just stopped feeling all fish vibration and just felt like river current. And it was like, oh, fuck. I was like, maybe I'm not hooked up to a log or something like that. But sure enough, just let the line slack. There's nothing going on, and I'm still, like, hooked up to something. It's like, okay, now I'm on the log. So how did you feel after 10 minutes of fighting a log? <laughs> 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 you know, I would so, I would have on. played that log for a little bit longer just, just to make to, it look right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I know that I didn't fight the log for ten minutes because it <laughs> ran it ran upstream. There's no way that the log was traveling upstream. <laughs> but um, somebody said something on day three of the trip that body language, and you can tell just from somebody's body language, just the kind of person that they were and like I just felt defeated like my fucking shoulders went down and I was just so bummed because Mike had promised us a 60 fish trip and there I was and I just couldn't land the first fish so um so yeah I felt kind of defeated actually it felt like a little bit of an asshole for not landing the fish and uh yeah that's how I felt well you know I keep telling myself going into you know uh, a week's long slump myself that uh, 
you know, it's days like those that make the good days better. <laughs> You're such you an know? asshole. You just, <laughs> don't fucking say that. You know, man. you just you just fucking look at yourself in the mirror and you say, "Don't worry, big guy." Yeah. It's so good. your luck's gonna turn. So you know, you get back to the lodge at the end of the day. Um, throw a fire, like you know, put a fire together. Drink some drinks together. You know, everybody shoots the shit, and you get back into it. Day two, you go to the same fucking diner for breakfast. Five ninety nine for breakfast. Um, you now know what to order because you're not going to fucking over-order. And uh, you start the day off right and get back in the water. Second day, we had 40-degree water temperatures, which was a little bit better because those fish run at 45 degrees. And um, like day one, day two, we didn't see any fish, all of them kind of hiding in deep pools. And um, again, man, people just couldn't connect a group of six guys how, how many uh, other um boats did you see each day when you were out there w- was it a pretty active river you're seeing a lot of other people first out there day scratching digging like you guys are first day i counted six boats seven boats including us okay um second day a uh, little bit more i want to say there was about 10 boats but some people were just tourists on the river um stealth craft actually they uh, manufactured their boats out of baldwin so if somebody goes to pick up stealth craft stealth craft um you know they can just float the river or whatever fish if they want um they even have their own kind of like lodge and stuff too i think the owner of stealth craft stealth fuck Stealthcraft has a lodge um, basically right next to um, where they make those boats. And uh, there was one guy who just picked his up and was like, yeah, man, I'm just cruising down the river just trying out my new you know, drift boat. Um, so, yeah, there was a couple tourists, but I would say that maybe second day we were maybe 10 to 10 or 12 boats, something like that, on the river. Uh, wasn't quite elbow to elbow. I can't imagine what 45 boats was like, though. Right. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I tried. Uh, but, I mean, 45 boats, and we're, we're, we're floating, a, you know, maybe a seven-mile stretch of the river. It's like, it's, that's it's a lot crowded. of boats. Yeah. It's a party. Um, so, yeah, getting into the second day, just kind of the same thing. Same. More of the same. We're trying to fish, uh, you know, deep pockets, deep pools. Nobody's so you, coming up with anything. You guys have a total of what, two, three boats in your party? We had, we had two boats in two our boats. party with okay. three anglers in each boat. Okay. Yeah. Um, and probably a total of maybe six different rod setups um, between Skagit, um, sink tips, and uh, floating lines. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty good variety of fishing and casting. That's for sure. One thing I must say though, regardless of how skunky the uh, fishing experience was on day one and day two, um, the lunch experience was fantastic. Tell me, tell me more. Yes. (laughs) Well, um, aside from all the beers that we were cranking, all the cold snacks that we were cranking in the boat. Doggy Daddy brings a fantastic array of snacks, uh, <laughs> period. Um, <laughs> he brought some uh, Wisconsin cheese curds, which were quite delicious. Very, did they squeak? They did squeak, yeah. Fantastic. Very com- yeah, very comparable to uh, um, our uh, Quebec cheese curds, that's for sure. So, you know, I, I, I must give it to you. Ours uh, are American, though, so yeah. it's they're better. They're, they're more yeah. free. Well, I must give it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pasteurized cheese curds. No, free range cheese curds. Free range cheese curds. Um, I got to give it to Wisconsin. Cheese curds were pretty good. Now, with cheese curds um, in Canada, 
do the cheese curds, are, are they produced a week after American cheese curds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're produced on Canadian Easter, not American Easter. Um, the cheese has to rise. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cheese is risen. <laughs> <laughs> a week later, oh, man. Jesus decided that Canada was worth dying for as well. <laughs> um, but uh, Mike did a pretty good job of um, picking up some... Uh, brats to fucking grill in the boat at lunchtime. And we were like, honestly, grill boat probably for about two hours of the day. And just, you know, the assortment of different meats that he made available to us and his group was awesome. I, I can only imagine some of the looks that you got from other boats that would pass you right. on the river. The, you have a small camp the, stove. The, the, the blatant so. fucking <laughs> jealousy and fucking envy as they went floating by. Let's let's go through some of the lunch selection. So we had <laughs> um, here. Hang on. I let me let me pull up the oh pulling up the menu. Oh no, yeah, no. There's a, a full blown menu here. Hang on. <sighs> It's coming. I've just got to find the text group. Oh, here we go. Light hoarders. Yeah, yeah. Horsey dovers. Um, Horsey. <laughs> That's French for hors d'oeuvres. Uh, okay, here we go. All right. Okay. Steak and blue cheese. That that was that was an hors d'oeuvre. No, that was a that was a brat. Oh, that was a bratwurst. Yeah, mild Italian. Chicken cordon bleu, um, chicken ancho pepper, chicken spinach feta, chicken, uh, cheddar pepper, cherry. Um, I don't know if that's cherry peppers or, you know, what that is. And then one just labeled fresh. Let's <laughs> <laughs> <That was> hope. <laughs> um, so th- that, was, that was the sausage selection. And um, Mike also did bring steaks, and um, yeah. So I mean, we were we were eating like kings on the river. That's for sure. Eating and wow. drinking like kings, like pure gluttons. That's fucking on the river. awesome. Yeah. I mean, if there was one part of anticipating your trip that I had, it was. The I food. can't wait to, to, yeah. to find out what kind of a spread Mike puts down. He was on the very. River. Very, very generous. If anybody ever has the opportunity of having an invite extended to them um, by Doggy Daddy. Clear the motherfucking calendar and say yes, right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Uh, Not to mention that he is just genuinely such a nice guy. Like, you know, has time for everybody. Just was really, really cool, period. Well, and and beyond time for everybody, quote unquote, Mike also has a very grounded way of looking at the world and yeah. understands that that he is fortunate. He he's had a good life, continues to live a good life, and he gives back a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, the veterans on the fly. Yep. Uh, the the work that he does volunteering and I believe leading the the chapter back home. That's right. Um, you know, he's given back a lot to guys that that you know 
have a have done things that it's hard to thank him for. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know he's he's very he's very open about what he does for for that group, and you know I mean showing up to the VA's office in his in in his area I can't you know I can't tell you exactly which one, but you know I mean he he does put in the time and he puts in the time with different people and he's connected with a lot of different um, you know communities in in the fly fishing world and um, he's done a very good job of branching out and reaching out to a lot of groups and supporting. Um, supporting people and supporting groups where you know he feels um, needs his support. And you know, I had a opportunity. Gosh, probably is probably two years ago. Uh, Mike and I were talking a lot, and um, he was working, um, and he didn't have to work, but he chose to work. And the folks that were employing his services. He had struck a particular deal where they have a busy season and a slow season. And he had said, look, just pay me the same pay week in, week out, whether I'm working, you know, 40 hours or 20 hours or 60 hours, just meter it out. I'll be there for you. And everybody was on board with it. And he was doing and being that guy that made shit happen right yeah and unfortunately as oftentimes happens in the corporate environment there was a boss that saw mike on a week where it wasn't so busy but hadn't seen mike the two weeks prior where it was super busy and he was there well beyond normal hours and made some kind of fucking snide comment or questioned you know what are you doing you know you need to get to work and Mike was like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't have time for this. I don't have a fucking desire to be treated that way. Yeah. So he said, you know what? I got an answer for you. Why? Fuck you. And he left. And it was after he had left that position, he and I were talking over the course of a couple of weeks. And he said, you know, I think I'm in the point in my life where I just want to find something where I can give back. And that's going to be my job. And I know he did some work with Project Healing Waters. Um, Absolutely zero uh, problem with Project Healing Waters on his part. He just wanted to do more than that program allowed for as far as bringing in um, family and friends of veterans to to build more of a network around the individual that was in the program. Mm. And for that reason... He shifted gears, and that's where he ended up is with Veterans on the Fly because yep. they gave him the latitude to build the program the way he saw and envisioned it, and he's been so committed to it ever since. It's been uh, truly yeah. inspirational to see the amount of time that he's put into it and the, and the good Absolutely, that he's doing. Absolutely, yeah. And it's a collaborative. It's a collaborative effort. You know, I mean, it's it's something that you, both parties have to be totally committed to and yeah you know just having the conversation with him i could totally see that as well you know he's a guy that if you give him the time or if he gives you the time it's because you know it's it's totally worth it Mm -hmm. so yeah i can certainly see that for sure so Um, you guys uh ultimately uh we know how the fishing went but uh yeah when you guys wrapped up you guys (laughs) went to uh, a pretty unique ranch 
Um, yes, it was. Um, How did that I, happen? It's really hard to describe. Well, it happened actually over a case of spotted cow being <laughs> committed. Um, but there is a ranch, and you could look it up, called Legends Ranch. And uh, it is a 22,000-some-odd-acre ranch. Um, I think they specialize in deer hunts. But the owner of the ranch holds the most world records for multi-species, like multi-species, like Safari Club. Big game. Big game. Big game. Yeah. Um, And... We had the opportunity, um, the owner of the Paramarquette River Lodge, uh, Frank Willits, who's totally cool as shit, by the way, (laughs) Um, and like the kind of person that would literally give you the jacket off his back in minus 40 degree weather if you were cold, um, gave us the time and I I had the opportunity to have some conversation with him. Really, really nice guy. Um, extended an invite to us to to come and sort of um, visit this, uh, I guess, museum, actually. And they're trying to uh, turn mm-hmm. it into a museum now, uh, educational sort of facility for schools to come and visit and, and whatever and educate people about hunting and sort of controlling uh, animal populations in certain regions, blah, blah, blah. But I have never seen... Um, a museum of taxidermied animals uh, in my life as comprehensive as this. I mean, how, how many how many mounts were there, do you think? I mean, did anybody give you a number of, like, what the total... There, there had to be in the neck of the woods of at least a thousand in this room. I like, I can't even imagine a number. And it, and it spans that. continents. Yeah, it, this had to be like a forty-five thousand square foot facility, um, and literally within uh, a yard of one mount was another mount. And wow. Smack in the well. I don't. It's not in the middle, but it's in the back corner. But they have a private bar and everything like that. And basically, their hosted trips that they have on their property. Um, you know, people come to the bar and they get to sit and and drink in this museum of mounts. And I I don't even know how many species of animals were in in there. It was just it was so overwhelming. It was an incredible experience to see all this. It was also kind of a little freaky to be completely <laughs> honest but yeah if you get the chance look it up legends ranch wow i'll actually um we'll post it on the on the uh, uh i guess on the instagram page okay or at least in a story right yeah all right well um i think uh we can probably head to our first break and when we get back i know i've got a few things that I've uh, noticed over the past week that I've made note of, a.k.a. show notes, and uh, <laughs> we'll get into some of the typical banter that we like to, and uh, we'll catch up with everybody on the backside of a break. <laughs> Make up your mind Decide to walk with me Around the lake 
And we are back. Hey, uh, we actually brought in a special guest. We were just talking about him, and he has not a fucking clue what we've been saying. He'll have to wait, (laughs) just like the rest of you guys, and hear it for the first time, probably sometime tomorrow or next week. Mike Johnson, sir, how are you? I am fantastic, Kyle. How are you guys doing, man? I'm uh, I'm a little tired and sore from our trip, but uh, safe and sound at home with two puppies sitting next to me, so life is good. Oh, hey, Butter. Hey, hey Pearl. Hey, Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Give them both I, a... I put you on speaker, uh, but the snoring would be too loud. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, Mike, was Butter able to catch a full breath when you got home from the trip? He was pretty excited. I had a quality air hump happening, so, uh, <laughs> so he was happy to see his daddy. So, uh, absolutely, <laughs> Mike. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I'm you know if you if you recall, but um, many many months back, uh, Ted was afforded another awesome angling opportunity uh, when he was out in Colorado. He went fishing with Ben Siddig, the huge fly fisherman. And uh, we, uh, we, we kind of, we're going to go ahead and say it's uh, a tradition now because we have the sec- second opportunity to play the, uh, we've heard <laughs> Ted's version of the events uh, that were uh, Steelhead 2019. And uh, we want to hear from you what your recollection of the trip was and uh just to give you a basis uh pretty much ted started his story with uh they picked me up at the airport so Uh, run us through and uh we're wanting to see uh how things match up detail wise with uh ted's recollection of the trip and your rendition of the trip uh, well, I remember we didn't catch any fish. That's your damn. <laughs> but, uh, that that was you know, that's, that's definitely scalded on my memory here. Well, but, you uh, know, you know that still happens. The, so. the nice thing is um, that really wasn't the main theme of Ted's storytelling. I mean, it was it was Uh-oh. mentioned, um, <laughs> and, and he certainly acknowledged that it uh, was a was a tough road to hoe. And uh, he certainly had lots of excuses down to water temperature and numbers of boats that had <laughs> preceded you guys. Um, this is true. This is true. Um, well, I, I, you know, the I guess, whole story with my migratory fish is that, you know, if they're not there, they're not there. So uh, we just missed, I think, the migratory by a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, it was cool. It was cool that Ted could make it out, I know, especially uh, with mom and a baby at home. Um, so thanks to Ted for... Uh, you know, getting out of town a little bit. It's always it's always hard to put these trips together because you know so many people are torn, pulled in so many different directions, and uh, you know, getting six guys all the land on the same day is uh, is uh, it's pretty cool. So, um, picked it up at the airport. We were in a little holding pattern in Grand Rapids. Picked uh, John from Orvis, Milwaukee. Met met me in my house. We picked up Roland on the way around Chicago, and then uh, um, you know it was. Uh, it's pretty smooth sailing, so it was nice to um, just chill out, hit a, hit a brewery, hit Orbis Grand Rapids for a minute, got another free beer there, and then you know, you know pretty seamlessly rolled in the airport, picked up him, and uh, we stopped for lunch at a nice uh, little brewery there in uh, Grand Rapids. And uh, you know, Ted was already poo-pooing our country with the uh, lack of quality chain. but um, 
Are you kidding me? So, so <laughs> before you even make it to your destination, he's already playing the uh, comparing the cuisine that you've chosen to um, his his idea of social uh, medicine and uh, family family leave act and such. That's yeah. yeah I had a I had a quality bowl of poutine, which was tasty, but the curds and I have to agree with them. The curds were a little sauce, so. Uh, but well, he did eat the hell out of the rest of my duck inside that bowl, so it, it wasn't too bad, I don't think. Yeah, well, you know, he, he actually admitted to us that uh, the cheese curds were pretty damn tasty. He did try to backtrack after he realized that it had slipped. Well, hang on. How you're, squeaky you're, you're, they were <laughs> and great they were. He did try to backtrack and then I'm, talk about how so can, how Canadian cheese curds were there somehow were better. There were two different cheese curd events. One there, were, was, there were two cheese yeah. curds instruments. Yeah, so one... Now, I packed some ringers from Wisconsin. You can't travel without Wisconsin cheese and Wisconsin beer. So I, I brought some cheese curds from home, and, uh, you know, they definitely uh, were better in the boat than they were in the bowl in, in, uh, in the restaurant. So so kudos to Wisconsin cheese. We don't mess around. So. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so we, <laughs> I love it. We, uh, we hit the road, and uh, it was pretty smooth sailing. Um, you know, it's uh, one of my favorite roads is this M37, which has out of Grand Rapids, and it kind of just gets you to move. You know, it's a fairly straight road, nothing too too dramatic, but you know, it's the anticipation of uh, of heading to my happy place is always uh, it's always fantastic. So, um, did now, pretty good. Our boys, let's t- go ahead. Ted, Ted told me uh, Ted and I had the opportunity to fish this afternoon. Uh, he landed in Orlando just a little bit after noon today, and. Uh, made it over here to the coast and he and i uh continued the fine tradition of a steelhead trip by getting skunked on the lagoon but uh while while we were doing that um (laughs) he did tell me that this is a trip in a river that you have fished now going on 20 years yeah yeah i caught my caught my first steelhead there in uh, 1998 Wow! So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a while. I, mean, I should right. never caught that fish because you know I, I go back every year, and uh, you know normally I catch a fish. This year was the first one I didn't, but uh, it's just it's truly my happy place. It's like you know it's like opening the door and, and sitting down in your living room after a long hard day, and it's uh, you know it's like going in and, and sitting by the fire after a long hard winter, and uh, you know I'm back at the lodge. So it's a, it's a pretty special place for me, for sure. That's pretty pretty awesome. Um, so you guys um, got packed up uh, at the airport. You had your first lunch. Uh, Ted Ted found out what real cheese curds are like, and uh, I guess you guys made it to the lodge. Yeah, yeah, made it to the lodge. Uh, you know, pretty smooth sailing, and uh, you know, started cracking some beers at the lodge and just kind of getting settled in, and and uh, you know, just uh, like I said, it's truly my happy place. So. Got to see my buddy Frank, who's the owner there, Frank Willett. He's just a, just a real stand-up guy, a lot of fun, and always good to see him. So, uh, you know, the, the first day we kind of just, you know, the travel day, we kind of chill, have some beers at the lodge, and then there's a couple, um, you know, fairly decent restaurants in the area. So we, we sat down, I think, uh, at the old Barskies in, uh, in Baldwin, Michigan, and I think every other fisherman sat down at the same time. Holy took us about... Uh, I think an hour and a half to get our dinner, but uh, Ted had a genius idea of uh, getting some pictures. So pictures kept flowing and we didn't mind so much. So it's not a bad first day. So um, the first day on the river, 
Uh, Ted said uh, the water temperature was a, a bit lower than you usually like to see. And uh, I guess the day prior to you guys having that first day, it, it must have been weekend or, or something along those lines. Yeah. There was a ton of traffic on the river. But uh, Ted was uh, able to point out to us that uh, where Ben – uh, had explained to him what a shuttle was uh, when they fished out in Colorado. You guys don't actually have shuttles in Michigan, or at least not there on the Pear Marquette. Uh, he said yeah. it's colloquialism there is a spotter. Yep, a spot. You get a spot. So, uh, you know, I don't know what happened. Usually, spots were almost uh, forty bucks. The last couple of years, they might have uh, had a better deal. But twenty-five bucks is a, is a gem thing to uh, set it right up at the fly shop and uh, where your keys are going to be. Put your license plate down and uh, and off you go. You said you spots are right to the other side, and uh, it's a pretty slick system, pretty professional system. So it's uh, you know, it's the guys there in the summertime. It's just nuts with tubes and canoes, and those guys are doing nothing all winter. And they have the guys in the, in the, in the equipment, the vans and such. So uh, it's a pretty slick operation. For 25 bucks, you uh, get out of the water and there's your truck. So it's a, it's a hot setup. It does not seem to be as sketchy as, uh, as bed situation. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, and the, and the fun little part is you get back in your truck and there's a little mint usually sitting on your coffee cup. So, uh, uh-huh. so yeah, it's a, it's a fairly profound. I didn't, I didn't share the mint with anybody, so maybe Ted doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Ted had the surprise look on his face like, wait a second. What? I didn't get a mint. <laughs> I didn't get a mint. Yeah, you got to get a mint. So, so okay, but, um, um, you and I shared uh, a couple of photos and, and I know we're jumping ahead here, but you, you let the cat out of the bag. And of course, everybody that's already been listening and knows Ted has already admitted that, uh, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, first time in 20 years for you that uh, the river didn't give up a steelhead, but you shared a picture and I'm sure other people that follow the podcast had and, and follow you had seen the story where Ted was riding um, on the exterior of the truck. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've been trying to keep that under my head because I wasn't sure if uh, Ted's wife would let him come and play again one day. You know, had, had, had broke. But if he shared it, then, then uh, there, there's a video involved. I've got a nice quality video, and there's a great sunset picture out there. You know, I uh, honestly you know, don't know for a fact um, whether his lovely bride is even on Instagram. Cause if she is, she doesn't follow me and I don't follow her. So it's as if she's not on Instagram, but I do have it. <laughs> Cause that's the end all. No, 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 no. But I, I do have it on personal knowledge. She looked me cold, dead in the eye over dinner here in Orlando, maybe a month ago and said, podcast. No, I've never listened to it, and I never will. So we're we're pretty free to talk about whatever we want to talk about here. And so to that, so to that point, that beautiful photo that you're referencing, the sunset photo, um, it, it obviously was taken by someone following you guys down the road, and uh, yep. it's it's artful. It, it truly is a wonderful photo. But 
as you. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a beautiful moment. If, uh, if you know, we could have sat there and stared at it if there wasn't a man with a beer hanging out of my truck. But, right, uh, <laughs> and 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 I think what what you know, my initial comment was I can't recall, but then after having a few minutes to think about it, I, I messaged you back, and what came to my mind was. The skunk was so bad on Ted that you all would not let him ride in the truck <laughs> to go back home. <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those moments where we just kind of, you know, we were so, you get a little salty when you're out there, you know, getting up in the morning, you know, putting on cold waders, getting out in that cold water, you know, throwing that river, doing all the work that needs to be done that, you know, hopefully maybe land only one fish and you do it again and again and it's just, it's not happening. And, um, you know, it, uh, you kind of do anything just to lighten the mood, just to lighten up. And, and Ted's definitely uh, a chime at doing that, lighten the mood up a little bit. Because, man, you can be, you can really get you down. You spend all this time, money, and effort, and uh, you come up with a goose egg. It's, uh, you know, it, it can hit you hard. But as long as you want to, you know, can keep the ball rolling, keep a smile on your face, I think uh, I think that's what makes a good fishing buddy. It makes a good fishing trip. And, uh, you know, Ted's just definitely... Uh, not, not afraid to drive me outside the truck, so so he's the one. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, the struggle bus was uh, in, in four low all week. <laughs> understood, but you know, there, there's no doubt uh, from hearing Ted's side of the story that uh, you guys had a fantastic time uh, from you know just breaking bread together. And I'm telling you what, your reputation now. Uh, whether it's Montucky cold snacks as soon as you're picked up at the airport or to the absolute smorgasbord that you deliver on the water. On the water. Um, I'll be honest with you. Some of the stories and things that I saw, I was very jealous. Um, Dude, the grill on the boat. I mean, gotta have the grill, man. You, I mean, how how many looks do you get on the river of jealousy and and just everybody going by pure? Oh like, yeah, that, that smell coming off that Montreal steak seasoning on those steaks, uh, it turns everybody's head. You know, being out there in that cold thing, you gotta break it up with a hot meal. If you're just having sandwiches. I mean, how sad are you sitting there? <laughs> I mean, it's just like the most depressing thing. I've seen it so many times. You know, here's three dudes riding the struggle bus chewing on sandwiches. It's just like, it's like everyone's sad. You can't help but being sad having a cold sandwich. So, right. you know, a few brats, a steak, you know, just that warm meal. It's just, you know, there's something about it that, you know, it's like you're yeah, around the campfire. It's and like it revitalizes you and, 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 you know, gets you ready to, you know, be sad again for a few hours of the cold water. I mean, I, I can only imagine that the, the taste of a, a fresh, flame-kissed steak while anchored on the river has to taste even that much better when you see that sad sack with a fucking pimento cheese sandwich (laughs) floating down past you, looking over longingly, because he just smelled it, he sees it, and you're like, yep. It's the real deal, man. It's the real (laughs) real deal, buddy. (laughs) You know, I learned from the best. I've been with a lot of great guys, and and truly, honestly, the only reason I have a drift boat is my guy moved to Montana. So I've been with them for over a dozen or more years, and I didn't want to train another guy. So uh, I had to buy my own boat. And, uh, you know, the first part is, like, 
where it exactly does it go. Okay, when I have a girl that fits exactly right there, rides happy, put her right in the boat, we can take her up anywhere and have a meal. And that, uh, yeah, it just breaks up the day and, uh, and it pisses everybody off smelling uh, taste of brats going by. So life is good. All right. Well, tell it's us. Not, it's not a Traeger. You know, it's not a Traeger. <laughs> I need a battery set up there. Yeah. I well, a little Traeger, I think it would be too big there, but, uh, yeah, I think a trigger would be a pretty sweet setup. It would be, but uh, like you say, you've got you know, the, then you've got the weight of the battery. You got to have the you pellets. Know, uh, you know, yeah. it yeah. complicates it. And uh, you, sir, sound like you're already dialed in. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, exactly. What, what's exactly. what's the what's the big plan for for Mike for uh, the next month or two? You uh, transitioning into uh, anything there in Wisconsin that you're looking forward to? Yeah, it's still, we had little flurries here today, so everything's still on. on what? But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's still it's still winter here for the most part. Uh, hopefully it'll break. It was, I had teaching on yesterday, but today uh, it's still a little bit of flurry. So cleaning up the boat, put the motor on the back, just getting ready for ice out. Uh, most of our lakes still have ice on them, and the rooms are still pretty high with spring action. But, uh, but you know, we still have those same steelheads over here in uh, Wisconsin, so I might do a couple bumps down to uh, like the Milwaukee River and such. And, I try to hit some more steelhead. But the, I haven't caught a fish since my muskie, I think, in October. So, uh, so I definitely got to get uh, get back in the wagon and, and, and catch something. So, but uh, but yeah, so nothing too exciting. Just waiting for uh, spring to be here, and uh, we'll start uh, we'll start fishing my guts here in another couple of weeks. So, uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to um, to get back on the water with those guys. We'll start our on the water classes here in mid April. So. That's really what I'm getting ready for right now, getting all the gear ready and, uh, and ready to rock. So that's my plan. All right. Well, awesome. Well, listen, we're going to cut and run on you. Uh, just so you know, uh, looks like Ted passed the test. Um, nothing too surprising or, or off kilter. Your all story matched up pretty well. And uh, I think the, just, the main uh, theme of the story was what an awesome host you are. And uh, tell you what, man, uh, looking forward to one of these days getting up there to fish with you. I've got that uh, driftless trip penciled in somehow, yep. somewhere. We're going to make that happen. Got to do it. So, but before it, so. before we let Mike go, actually, I gotta I gotta give him a ton of credit because um, Mike was generous enough to let me row the boat. Oh, oh really? no. <laughs> and and so I, I tell you that one? No, no. I, I, I held that one back. Oh. But <laughs> so let me let me tell you that Mike does a fantastic job rowing, and um, and I have got to give credit where credit is due to guys <laughs> and guides and people who are rowing rafts and drift boats down the river because it is fucking hard, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'll let Mike yeah. tell how that went, <laughs> but let's you know, just say he, there was a lot more wood in the boat than you know. <laughs> do we, after do, I rode, do, do we run through some trees, Mike? Um, you know, I consider myself a two-thirds row. Two-thirds of the time, I'm okay, and another third, you might bite a bush or two. Um, and you know, Ted was bugging me to row, and you know, I, I appreciate the effort and stuff, but uh, it's a pretty tricky thing. You got to thread the needle. It's a pretty quick moving river at times, and you got to make a lot of you know, moves and, and, and plan a lot of things way in advance. And, um, you know, Ted wanted to try, and he's a, he's a good young man, and I know he can do it, but um, the term flightless bird comes to mind. <laughs> um, 
Well, he, uh, he grabbed the oars, pulled us out, and it was pretty much out of control <laughs> from that point on. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we should have asked Roland back if it was okay. We just kind of swapped places and did it, and I sure, I'm sure there's still... Uh, you know, so maybe knuckle prints in the back of the casting grates from Roland holding on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we hit some trees, did some damage. Nothing, you know, that's what boat's for. It's, it's, not a, it's not a pretty, uh, you know, glossy thing. It's, it's maybe hit bushes, maybe hit rocks. So I wasn't worried about the boat and such. We high-sided a little bit a couple times, and then we had a big sweeping corner with a ton of current with the down trees on the other side. There was a guy fishing. There was a lot of needle threading to be done. <laughs> And I just told him, go for the bank, man. We're not going to make this. Go for the bank. <laughs> and we just uh, slid all the way across this pool, slammed it to the other side, dropped it in. It wasn't stopping us. He had to jump out of the boat, um, pull us back, and we just sat there. And I said, okay, everyone breathe. Just relax for a second. And just as we're doing that, here comes Frank from the lodge with two of his sports, and he's like, how the fuck did you get over there? <laughs> and uh, we all just kind of laughed and said, Ted was driving. So, uh, well, you yeah, know, I give him a, a ton did, of credit for that, man. It was, uh, it was I did, major moves that happened in a, in a small amount of time. I did notice uh, in a couple <laughs> of posts that it appeared as if Ted had a gopro mounted on his hat and i'm just well, I, curious I, hope it was I, I ted <laughs> is there any footage of this come on buddy there's gotta be the sd card was full boys oh, God. oh. <laughs> i'm calling bullshit oh, it would have been it would have been fantastic but uh you know i i, I every time i close my eyes and, and wake up in a sudden in a sudden flash, I, I recall those moments <laughs> that I in my heart for the rest of my life. But no, he didn't. You know, yeah, I give him, it, it's a hard river to row. You know, it's not a wide open thing. There's there's so much to avoid. You really, you know, I've been down that river many many times as a as a, as a sport, and uh, you know, I never think about what it takes. You know, I've yelled at him to sit down many times, uh, and you know, I can't tell you how many thousands of times I've been yelled at to sit down in the front seat because you lean over and catch an edge. You're like on a big skateboard. It's, it's carving. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's hard to fight that and the river. So, uh, you know, Ted did a great job. It's passenger. He got a taste of what it's like to row. And, uh, you know, again, again that's a pretty ballsy move because it's a, it's a hard river to do. Well, you know what's coming up. But, so. I'm, I'm definitely not volunteering to row again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, no, man, it was uh, – you know, it's a great trip. It's steelhead and it is what it is. It's, it's hard days, but uh, we make up for for drinking and and you know the best part about it was we got a we got a new ticket. Did he tell you? Did he tell you how we we got a, a, a special uh, trip to a magical place? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, a, so a little bartering and trade with uh, with some spotted cow. Yeah, you know, again, spotted cow is the hot setup. Here. Everyone loves it, and it's, it's a great trade material. Brought back a lot of good Michigan beer, but. Uh, the trip to the hunting trophy room was uh, was something magical, man. I'm still freaking out. It was like, you know, the really Wonka music was playing when we walked in the door, and it was just like we all ran off and, and saw all the magical hunting things we ever wanted to see. And I was glad I got to share that with Tech because that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The pictures don't even do it justice from what we've been doing. No, told. you can't. Do, no. a, a panorama shot did three quarters of it. I was still like, wow. <laughs> You can't even see it all in one panoramic shot. Mike, how many animals would you say were in that building? Um, the, the number I was given was 2,300 mounts 
of 550 different species. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like, I'm still processing it, and it's just, like, too much to take in. <coughs> yeah, so. All right, buddy. Well, listen, uh, thanks for uh, giving us a call to, to give the uh, – the whole story and uh had we not called I you it. i think we'd have been kept in the dark forever about uh ted's rowing adventure <laughs> yeah yeah flightless bird but uh <laughs> like i'm telling you what the uh he's ballsy enough to do it so big props to ted man so uh anytime you're always welcome in my boat Ted. so uh thanks rock and roll man enjoy yourself and uh i'm telling you what you were a great uh, guy to have on a trip especially as hard as we were and, and it's all about the you know the having fun and, and uh and the stories, and uh, the fish are secondary, and they were definitely secondary on this trip. So, but uh, but awesome, man. We'll get to talk to you guys, man. Have fun. All right, Mike. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you. Take care, right, brother. Guys. Have a good Take weekend, care, Mike. Later. See you. Bye. Well, you held back that little gym. Yeah. And and. Uh, you know, I don't even think he was going to really say much about it. No, you know, and uh, we, we kind of spoke about it because it, it was kind of a funny thing. But, um, you know, he's it was there was a moment where I was rowing and then all of a sudden this fucking log came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, literally, the words escaped my mouth. I said, oh, fuck. And Mike just said, dude, just keep it cool. Let's let's row like row backwards out of this, and he was coaching me through it, and he was really patient with it. You know, not like you you want to talk about spinning circles like three sixties in the fucking skiff. This was like fucking times ten, right? Right. <laughs> um, it was definitely an experience. So I don't know, Larry, if you've rowed before. I have. What? How did you find it the first time? Um, honestly, not terribly hard um but that was because who i was with spent a lot of time talking about what they were doing while they were rowing so you kind of had yeah yeah, so i had like kind of like the theory behind it and you know am i a experienced rower hell no am i a good rower not even close but it wasn't that intimidating because i had been watch you know seeing it done, explain why they're right. doing what they're doing. Um, so so the extent of my rowing experience, aside from being on the paddleboard, um, is like rowing out to a sailboat, uh, locking the, the, the rowboat to the mooring, and then just like hopping into the sailboat and, and raising the main sheet. Right. And, and, and fucking off. So that, that was it. So I was like, oh, I can row. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and certainly the, the physical rowing is one thing it's understanding shuttling away from things and you know definitely you throw in (laughs) current fuck and obstacles (laughs) and and beyond that um i want to say that the nuance that was lost on me but you know definitely told multiple times you know you're doing it wrong this is where we need to be is where to position the boat when you're rowing so that the anglers can actually fish, um, you know, whether it's yeah, yeah, close to the seam, away from the seam, near the shoreline, away from the shoreline, you know. And Mike said something that, that really rings true. You have to think really far ahead. Um, you know, absent of dropping the anchor 
um, you're, you're moving down the river and you better have a plan on where you want to be and what you're going to need to do to put the boat where it needs to be. Yep. So, all right. Well, uh, the, um, other few things that we probably have to talk about, um, since we're talking about drift boats and rowing this week, um, I saw a couple of stories on Instagram that caught my eye and it had to do with a meeting that was going on and somebody uploaded a few stories of different people that were participating in a meeting out in Montana uh, about the upper Madison and the conflicts um, that are perceived to be ongoing or the potential for conflicts that are going to be going on between different user groups um, that use the river. And when I was watching these stories, one of the stories that I saw, Ben, uh, who is the president of AFTA, uh, that puts on the IFTD show. Um, he was speaking and he had made a statement about maybe we need to consider limiting public access. And I was shocked to hear that. It, mm. I, it, it felt contrary to what my perception of a lot of the folks out West, you know, you see I'm a public landowner you know, I own it, you know, it's, it's mine, uh, individually as well as, as a group, you know, and, and I was shocked. Um, and my gut reaction was, this is bullshit. Somebody needs to call this guy out. Like what the fuck? And then I took a deep breath and I said, okay, I just saw a 15 second story on Instagram, maybe some context, And, you know, a little bit of background would be helpful. So I actually um, sent that story as a message to the AFTA um, Instagram and said, can I get some context and better understanding what limiting the public access Mm -hmm. uh, really means in, in this regard? And the person that operates the social media for AFTA got back to me within two minutes and said, give Ben a call. Here's his phone number. He's looking to talk to you. So I did. I called him and we spent 15, 20 minutes talking about what was going on. And I'm glad I did uh, because what he was specifically talking about in that meeting in 15 seconds sounded terrible Um, But what it was doing was actually pointing out that the um, group that was holding the meeting was putting forward the idea that they should limit the access that outfitters and guides have to this particular section of the river. Um, And so Ben was taking the stance of, wait a second, 
the guides only account for like one or two percent of the anglers that are actually in this portion of the river and and you're only saying penalize them or limit them why not you know the the larger user group if it's a, a matter of overuse of this section of the river then let's limit everybody and that was the context that was missing um so just a thought-provoking statement that challenged ultimately access to the river and obviously, you know, was thought-provoking enough that your ears perked up and you said, whoa, 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 whoa. what the fuck is this guy saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, since that little sentinel moment of it catching my attention, um, I've reached out and actually talked to Charlie Gordon uh, who I believe works at Gallup's slide-in, um, he's been very involved going to these meetings. And what the meetings are about, uh, the Madison River Foundation um, has been putting together these proposals. And the nexus for all of this is everybody recognizes that there's a ton of people moving to Montana on a daily basis Tons of these people are fishing, and it's and they're projecting that in the next 20 to 30 years, the population is going to be X, Y, and Z. It's going to be just elbow to elbow. So they're wanting to get ahead of this. And for that, I can say, good idea to go ahead and start planning ahead. But what many of the user groups and the stakeholders have found out over time is that this group, the Madison River Foundation, may not have the river and the public's best interest at heart. I'm not saying for sure that they don't, but it, it starts to appear that way. Um, there's actually been a lot of turnover within that group. Uh, a lot of their board members have resigned because of some of the crazy positions that they're taking. Um there's even some very high-profile business owners that tangentially have been involved in making donations um, to fund the Madison River Foundation. They've actually pulled back and stepped away from it because of what's going on. And I guess the best way to illustrate this is once they came out with some of their proposals they were so untenable to the majority of the stakeholders that a petition was actually started against some of the, the things that the foundation wanted to do. And all of these people that signed the petition, that petition was actually handed to the president of the foundation. And rather than taking a look at it and saying, okay, obviously there's an issue here, she simply threw it in the trash without even looking at it. Someone actually wow. <laughs> took a picture of the petition that she discarded in the trash and reached in the trash can and took it out and sent the very original petition that she didn't even look at and threw in the garbage and sent it to the governor. And the governor did look at it. So the, there's... There's awareness on the part of the governor that there's this brouhaha going on 
up there about the upper Madison. So in speaking with Charlie in speaking with Ben, um, I would just urge anybody that happens to be worried about, um, river access, um, out there in Montana and the issue of overcrowding on the river. Yeah. Um, there's approximately 200,000 angler days, um, of use on that stretch of the upper Madison of which only 20,000 are through outfitters. So, you know, there's, there's a vast disparity in who's using the river and, uh, how to woe that up a little bit. So to, so that, uh, everybody's getting along and the river's being taken care of. So, I would urge everybody to get involved, uh, reach out to folks at the fly shops, reach out to AFTA, and find out what the actual issues are and take a position and take a stand and make sure that you're not leaving it to a group that sounds like a foundation that has the river's interest at heart. Because it really, once you get beyond the surface, seems like uh, a lot of it might be for the benefit of some private landowners that want to shut down access to the state lands on the upper Madison that you can only get so to. So it is just the upper, not... Yeah, it's just okay. the upper. It's just the upper. And, and the section in particular, there's some state land that you can only get to via boat um, yeah. because, of the, because of the geography. And uh, they're trying to, the proposal that the foundation is saying that they would like to propose that you cannot float the river with the intention of fishing it. How crazy does uh, that sound? Yeah. That's. So, uh, you know, some of, uh, some of what's going on out there just doesn't pass the smell test. Um does it pass the skunk test? No, I, I think uh, it, it's it's pretty stinky. So it actually is the skunk itself. Uh, so Montana Fish and Wildlife and Parks, um, they created a committee uh, to study this issue. The Madison River Foundation uh, is right up in the middle of it. And this is a smoke signal that we're sending up. If you're listening to our podcast and you've ever fished, the upper Madison, you want to go back and fish it again, or if you've ever dreamt of fishing it, um, you might want to get involved, find out, call, uh, call the slide in and, uh, talk to those folks, find out what you can do to help them protect and preserve the river, but also do it in a responsible manner that isn't serving the interests of a very few. And that's where we're going to leave it. So, uh, you know, what started out for me as one of those social media moments where you feel a sense of outrage, uh, there's a lesson there also of, uh, you know, look a little bit deeper into it. Take a second, take a, take a breath, reach out to reach somebody out, yeah. and uh, get a little bit of education. The, the rules out there are pretty complex, um, you know, way more complex than what we deal with. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. And uh, educate yourself, 
and advocate for your future, the river's future. And uh, that's my best advice. Just get involved because right now the Madison River Foundation doesn't seem like they have everybody's best interests at heart. Mm. It's tough, man. You know, I mean, and and we were talking about this a few weeks ago, just about kind of what organizations are, you know, bidding for what sort of, you know, efforts in their region or nationally or whatever. And it's just, you know, people don't know. People invest time and money and energy in something that they don't fully understand. Um, And it's just, you know better to understand the full full extent of what that foundation is, is, yeah, is and, all about. And and kind of here's the crux of it. So the the committee was formed by the by the state, uh, by their you know so so the state recognizes there's there's a problem. And on the committee, two of the members of the committee are members also of and they're on the board of the Madison River uh, foundation and uh they have absolutely zero interest in any type of compromise it's their way or the highway and that's just not going to be tenable over time so uh you know it's a small little group that's trying to shove their idea down everybody else's throat so we're just ringing the alarm get in touch with folks out in bozeman that are outfitters, that are guides, that are anglers, that appreciate everyone having a voice out there and get involved. So I think that's uh, the message, and hopefully uh, we'll get a little update on how things are going, and we'll we'll try to follow along on it. But, uh, you know, social media can be a powerful tool, uh, when it's used properly and that's all we're saying is make sure and be careful when you see something that you have the full context and if you don't have the full context don't be scared to ask uh, yeah. um, let's see uh, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about Ted yeah you have a personalized license plate. Yes. And your personalized license plate is double hull, right? Correct. I have a personalized plate. It's bait hater. Um, the same letter combination that spells bait hater. Ben, the huge fly fisherman, has bait hater. And I guess what I want to find out is... I've seen, and I think I even have pictures on my Instagram. Uh, I was doing a job up in Virginia, and somebody had Royal Wolf. Um, nice. Yeah. Huh. Um, what are some of the fly fishing centric license plates that you've seen out there in this big wide world of ours? And um, you know, tag us on Instagram. Take a picture. We want to see it because, you know, I've sat endlessly and tried to come up with different ideas. You were going to do 
uh, bait hater. Yeah, I but, couldn't get uh, the letter combination. Yeah, the letter yeah. combination. Being some... eight was too similar. Yeah, and the government wouldn't let me do it. Right. Yeah, kind of lame. Um, uh, but it, it's funny because right around the same time, my my good buddy James also got his personalized plate, which is fly fishing centric, and his is sink tip. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he got sink tip. <laughs> well, I mean, there's somebody rolling around Florida with double haul. Yeah. I looked into it and... DBL, H-A-U-L. Correct. Nice. So somebody out there has it. Somebody has already beat you to it. Correct. Um, you, you could do D-U-B-L-H-A-U-L. Duble. Duble. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> d- <laughs> but, I mean... <laughs> I do it the French way. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, you know, double in French is written the same way as it is in English, so. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like color, color. Well, that's the Canadian way to write. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, aside from the, the royal wolf that I saw. Um, Flavor. Double haul, bait hater, and... Uh, now we know sink tip. Um, I'd just like to know if uh, any any of you guys listening to the show have a have a plate that we're not aware of. Um, I, I just think it's fun, you know, that as you're rolling down the road, you know, you, you see all kinds of combinations of different personalized tags. But yeah. when you see one where you're like, oh shit, that motherfucker's huge, you know, yeah. it, you know, it helps. It helps identify someone you can identify with. Yeah, yeah. you know, maybe they don't have the uh, rod tube on the on the top of the truck, but uh, you, they've got other identifiers. They've got <laughs> other identifiers. Maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe they have a, a pretty weak sticker game, but they got a fucking huge, huge. ability to uh, yep. come up with a good license plate. So. Share that with us if you uh, happen to know of anything. That's it. It doesn't have to be yours. Could be right. Could yeah. be one that you've seen. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know who's got actually a pretty solid wall of vanity plates in his shop? Who's that? Our buddy Rich Farina. Really? Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. He's got like several fly fishing related license plates that people have donated to him to decorate a wall with. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Really cool. And do you, you gonna recall do yours? any of them that are up? Um no, but I would extend the challenge to anybody who's listening who's local to go in there and you Snap know pick out what yeah. their favorite one is and 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 send that over to us. Excluding Rich, Rich can't pick out his favorite one and send it to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he would be playing favorites with yeah. his clients, and that's not good. No. So, um, I believe uh, it, it sounds like uh, the Shad Run is going pretty solid in uh, the Potomac. Yeah, it looked like from it. what I saw. Yeah, yeah. So, I saw District was posting uh, quite a few images. Yeah. 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 So uh, you're going to be DC bound. April eighth. Yeah, wonder if that's going to be. Too, I mean, it's only it's only a week away. I'm not going to get the chance to fish on this trip, but uh, um, okay. But the shad run is going to run all the way up the uh, northeast, and uh, we'll come into the Gulf of St. Lawrence and flow down the river, and I will be able to get a. Uh, oh, you have a shad run up there. Last week of May, first week of June. No shad shit. run all the way into the St. Lawrence River up to Montreal. And can no longer run any further because the rest of the river is dammed off with hydroelectric dams. So I imagine they probably used to run up the Ottawa River up into Lake Ontario at mm-hmm. one point. 
Um, but um, unfortunately, Shad, and after having done quite a lot of reading and YouTube video watching just about sort of spotting behavior, habits, migratory habits, and stuff like that, they do not climb fish ladders. Okay. Um, so any obstacle is like a dead end for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to potentially getting out and, uh, you know, nailing one of the 150,000 migratory <laughs> fish that run up the river. Um, and, and do you have any idea on the research you've done? Are they like hickory shad or the American shad? They are American shad. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because yeah. we get hickories and American shad Correct. in the St. John's, yeah. which, um, you know. I didn't I, hear much this year. No. And, and you know. The shad run oscillates, I guess, is a, a, a decent word to use. Um, there's good years, mm-hmm. uh, and there's not as good a year. And this was one of those not as good years. Uh, I know a couple of my friends um, actually went out and, and caught a, a shad or two, but there was no, like, really big days. Right. Um, and it's almost like, um, so the seven-year cicada hatches, um, you know, there's people that know that, you know, next year will be a huge cicada hatch because mm-hmm. it, it's on a seven-year cycle or whatever. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever patterned the shad runs and knows, like, what year's going to be a great run or is it just by happenstance. Luck of the draw, yeah. yeah. You know, in having read and and watched enough videos, there's still a lot that is mysterious about the fish. Um, they don't know exactly how they spawn. Okay. Uh, and part of that is because most spawning behavior probably takes place at night, and they can't just, they can't see how those fish spawn or what the behavior is like. Um, and you know, in terms of what they're eating, some videos will show shad eating these like Rapala poppers, top water. And then other videos will show like deep deep jig. Yeah. yeah, Deep jigs. I actually caught a shad six, seven years ago, uh, (laughs) at the mouth of the James river, um, and the Chesapeake Bay. Right. Um, right at Willoughby Spit, um, in God damn that Willoughby Spit. <laughs> it would, it, it wouldn't be um, Norfolk. It would be Newport News. Newport News. Newport yeah. News. And uh, I was throwing a um, clouser next to uh, a jetty right there at Willoughby, uh, hoping to get like a little schooly striper mm-hmm. and uh ended up catching a shad so kind of odd but uh yeah um and also how deep was it it wasn't deep at all it wasn't deep at all it wasn't deep at all so here's the interesting thing it's like they they're comfortable in like three to three feet of water to like whatever depth yeah i would say i would say i was thrown in three to four feet of yeah. water Um, and, and, and really there's a ton of current there and I was throwing up current and letting it swing. And it was at the end of the swing up against the jetty. And that was, it went from deeper water up onto the sandbar. And as I was coming back, that's when I hooked up. So, uh, you know, just completely 
incidental to what I was trying to do, but uh, a shad nonetheless. Yeah. So do you fancy fried shad roe? Oh, I I can't say that I've ever had it, no. but okay. you know maybe that it's could gross. be something. That it could be no, something that we try. Is it kind of like cod liver oil? Where it's uh, fucking gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know who's uh, actually probably one of the most informed people on how to uh, catch shad, especially on the fly. And uh, we just mentioned his name, but Rich uh, Farino is um, the shad daddy. Is the shad daddy? Is he the shad daddy? He is. He is the shad daddy. <laughs> Um, he is a, uh, I, I watched one of the local tires come in with a box full of shad flies and, um, I was sitting at the table during the conversation and the shad daddy himself said, this'll fish, that'll fish, that won't fish, this'll fish, that won't fish. And went through the whole box and basically tore it apart. And he basically said, look, you know, I'll take that and that, but just because I want to try them, the rest we have to, you know, you have to bring me something else. And just because of the volume, sheer volume of people that are buying flies in his shop that are shad flies and come in there for knowledge um, that, you know, book charters with um, guides out of his shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his partners is a, is, a, is, a, is a guide as well and runs, runs charters out of the shop. Um, Richie's the shad daddy. He's the shad daddy. The guy knows a thing or two about shad. So if anybody wants to pick somebody's brain or needs help on shad fly selection, districtangling.com, you know, uh, promo code eggplant parmigiana. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I got a message. Uh, we, we had discussed, uh, you know, Rich does not sell his stickers, but, right. you know, if you were to order something and yep. put in, I fucking love stickers on, you know, special instructions. You might, you know, Rich Rich is the kind of guy that reads that kind of stuff and would probably end up sending you stickers. Somebody actually posted uh, on Instagram and was like, I ordered something from, uh, it was a fly material uh, outfit, and I put, I fucking love stickers in the special instructions, and they didn't send me any stickers. And I said, Time to find a new supplier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pr- pretty simple. Plain and simple. Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty simple stuff, man. It's not. It's it's not hard math. I wonder if I like you know put a note in there like I fucking love homemade pasta. If he's gonna send me like a you know care package of he could. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would tell you that uh, it would be an interesting head to head battle. It would almost be like Iron Chef of the fly fishing world to put Mike Johnson and uh, oh, Rich yeah. head to head on uh, the cooking be- in the boat, the best, yeah. the best shore lunch or the best. Uh, I would say shore lunch. lunch. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that should be our first hosted trip. Is a lunch trip, you know, featuring <laughs> chefs Mike Johnson and Rich Farino. <laughs> so Mike, uh, Rich is actually a uh, you know foodie. Uh, well, not only is he a foodie, but he's a formally trained chef. How formally? Um, went to school. La Cordon really? Bleu? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was Cordon <laughs> Bleu, but like, um, I know he went to school formally yeah. to become a chef and then um, just basically kind of said, like, fuck it. <laughs> like, yeah, just didn't want to work in a restaurant. I don't okay. think. Yeah. Well, I had heard the that he had looked at the idea of owning a food truck um, and did a lot of... Uh, uh, he actually went and worked in a food truck and uh, spent quite a bit of time doing wow. that. 
um, and, and figured out pretty fast that it's a fucking shitty way and a hard way to make money. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, he didn't do that. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt Rich definitely is an Epicurean yep. and uh, has a fine appreciation yep. for good eats. Yeah, definitely has very good recommendations on D.C. restaurants. And uh, yeah, yeah, certainly a good person to go have dinner with. Or if you have the luxury of that. Right. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, uh, anybody else have anything that they want to talk about or... No, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mark, you got you got anything? Not this week. No, not this nope. week. <laughs> You're looking at me like I should. No? No? You sure? Pretty sure. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I would tell you that we would do uh, mail call because we actually have uh, quite a few things that came in this week, but... Uh, with uh, us being a little bit light, Carl's not here. Ben uh, had to take off because uh, Carl worked his ass into the ground this week. He's a hard dude to work for. Oh, yeah. Um, I think uh, we're just going to hold on to this stuff and uh, yep. probably break it out after Ted leaves. That way he doesn't get any, <laughs> any of the awesome <laughs> stickers and flies that were sent. Uh, uh, but we we do uh, for those... Come on, man. For yeah. those Let's that, hear uh, folks. <laughs> that, that did take the time to uh, send us some stuff, we, we have those packages sitting here. We're going to wait in... Uh, just to get the color commentary from Carl uh, is, is worth the <laughs> is wait. Worth. Is worth the wait. So, because uh, that's why you send it. Yeah, you just want to hear Carl. You want to hear Carl's reaction. But uh, all right. Well, I still love the um, the the incorrect fat liners response. Flat liners do it better. No, no, read it again. Oh, fat liners <laughs> do it better. Ellis, thank you for sending us that. <laughs> All right, well, uh, this is a little shorter than uh, most, but uh, it has been episode 24 of Taylor Trash. Taylor Trash Fly Fishing. <laughs> but before we go, let's just remind everybody that uh, fly patches are coming out Fuck yeah. this week. Uh, anybody that happened to be following my personal Instagram, Salt Bomb, you may have seen the story. They were getting cut, and uh, I'll be picking those up either Monday or Tuesday. A few smart listeners um, have already pre-ordered. Sweet. Uh, $20 shipped. Um, it's a Venmo transaction at Salt Bomb. And uh, also coming out this week, Monday or Tuesday, as soon as I get my hands on them, I'll post pictures. Fuck, they're going to be awesome. We have a completely new sticker, and we have... A throwback. A throwback. A throwback. A, a, a new take on an old-style sticker that we hope everybody will appreciate. Oh, they'll be happy. And... Uh, well, I think it's an homage to uh, the history of this podcast. Right? Absolutely. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Homage to the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you'll see it on Instagram very shortly. And hope you guys like them. Find a place to stick them. And 
We'll probably catch you in about a week or so. We'll be back with episode 25. <laughs> Fingers, crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So, uh, Ted, thanks for uh, spending a little time with us on your trip down here to lovely, sunny Florida. Yeah, man. We always enjoy having you. I always enjoy being around. And uh, we're going to have a date very, very soon for the poker run. The poker run and dinghy derby. Oh, the dinghy, <laughs> dinghy derby. derby. The inner tube derby the should be. Dinghy <laughs> derby. And uh, what, uh, what else is there to say other than uh, we'll catch you guys next time? What about stay huge? Oh, that, isn't that like your new tagline? No, no, uh, like uh, signing off, Larry Literal. Stay huge. Well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to usurp any of uh, Ben's branding, but uh, yeah, stay huge. Are you ready? I, I'm. I've been waiting for you. I'm like dragging it out, trying really hard. He doesn't know your cues.